The Get Down is brought to you by Digital Music Pool. Digital Music Pool is the ultimate record pool for professional DJs looking for the hottest tracks and exclusive hits updated daily in an easy-to-use platform. You can find exclusive edits from myself, Cream, Adam B., Andrew Marks, Angelo the Kid, Armin Averro, Chumpian, Dan FX, Castra, Pat C., and Samus J. only on DMP. And we're giving you a chance to try their service for just $9.99 for the first month. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes or on the Get Down or Cream Instagram pages, create an account, and enter the promo code CREAM at checkout for your discounted month. DMP is my go-to record pool for new and exclusive music to play in my sets. So become a member for just $9.99 for the first month with the code CREAM and check it out for yourself. Click the link in the show notes or on the Get Down or Cream Instagram pages to sign up now. You will not be disappointed. If you love listening to the Get Down, you will love the video version of our show on YouTube even more. With all new audio and video upgrades, we've taken the show to the next level. On YouTube, you get to see our facial expressions, hand gestures, and real passion we have for this industry and for helping you grow your DJ business. Click the link in the show notes or on the Get Down Instagram page to watch the podcast now or search Get Down DJs on YouTube. We would greatly appreciate if you subscribe to our channel, like, and comment any questions you might have that we could bring up on the show. to the 117th episode of The Get Down. This is uh, take two from a week ago. Jeez, this is the, the longest break we've had uh, because of a technical difficulty. Um, my Act internet, of God, Gary. My, Act of God. My internet went out for eight hours. It like forced me to not... I wasn't able to do anything. Couldn't make a phone call. I live in the boondock, so like there's no cell phone reception. And then when the internet goes down, it's over with. Like, no, I can't contact anyone in the outside world. You have to, like, go down the block to do all that. We were 15 or so, 10, 15 minutes in, and then all of a sudden we got, like, the screen of death. 11 minutes and 30 (laughs) seconds. You froze, and I'm like, oh, maybe you just froze. And I continued talking for, like, another two minutes, and... That was the end of it for the day. Yeah, so so we're we're gonna reshoot, right? <laughs> we're, we're collecting ourselves here. Gary's back in New Jersey, so it's been a long shot a little differently. You've been journeying. Yeah. So last week, so we were trying to shoot last Wednesday, and it's Tuesday today. Um, and then I left for New Orleans on Thursday, and then I drove back from New Orleans to Orlando and then flew from Orlando to here this morning. So it's been a, a trip. I said when you walked into my place, like. How are you alive right now? I, you know, just coffee, just, just coffee, keep it doing. and, and I, I didn't, I didn't drink the last two days, so that's good. No, that definitely helps. So, how we wanted to start uh, last last ep- or last week when we were trying to record this was we've been having such a struggle trying to book acts, anything, anything really, <laughs> other than other than DJs. Surprisingly, right? We've, we've built this army, right, where we have all the get down guys, and then we have a a crew of other DJs that we, we use and we test and, you know, kind of like the training grounds for who, who can, can make it into the, into the get down team. But we've been trying to book 
musicians. We've been trying to book food trucks. What else we've been trying to book? Just any like, other other entertainment things for the meetup have been a, have been difficult. Like you said, the food truck thing. We've contacted I think three different food trucks at this point, and no response. Quite literally, no response. And this brought up the point that like. We, well, we will never go back. First of all, we'll never go back and contact any of those food trucks ever again for any event that we might throw, number one. And I think this is a good lesson to, to young DJs that are on the come up, especially if like you're doing, you dabble in a little bit of private event, you, you dabble in a little bit of everything. You know, usually when you're, when you're coming up as a DJ, you do do birthday parties and, and whatever it might be that you can just, act, you know, get uh, some time in front of, of people. Um, it's important that even if you don't want to do the event that you do email or call or text that person back because you never know what that person's going to want uh, in the future or be involved with in the future that you might be interested in. Um, and I think that, you know, I was thinking about that with the food truck. Like maybe they don't want to come and do a, a networking event for DJs and entertainment. But like what if we are involved in a bigger thing later on? What if we're road. throwing a festival in Hoboken or Jersey City? Right. And we, we want to invite them to a, a big food truck gathering. We will absolutely never get in contact with them again because it's a waste. We have already wasted our time. Um, so I think that's a good thing to think about, you know, from a DJ perspective that, you know, always, always respond. Always at least, if, even if you don't want to do it, you can always turn the person down kindly. So now that we're, we're booking more, there's a few ways to look at this. I think... Uh, as a DJ trying to book nightlife, many times, whoever the person is who's trying to book or fill a calendar is going to set aside time to do that, right? This morning, I was working on, on birch bookings, for example. So I had a window of time where I had to actually work on the bookings, and my goal was to accomplish that before we started DJing. So if I'm hitting you up and you're not answering me, I'm going to go to the next person, you know? And sometimes... You know, maybe you just didn't see the text or whatever the case may be. But I think it's so important to make, to respond, like you said. And again, even if you can't do the dates, you respond and say, hey, I wish I could do that date. I'm unavailable. I do have a couple other dates. If you have anything else you're looking to book, boom. And you start the conversation. And now you have this text chain back and forth where next month, you know, it's the middle of the month and, and cream or whatever booker is going, is going to probably be booking the following month. You can shoot that text and say, Hey, I know last month didn't work out, but here's my dates for, for this coming month. And you get ahead of it, right? We've, we've worked with a couple guys who are really persistent in, they kind of know they, they, they started to understand our schedule and they started to text us around when we were scheduling dates uh, these are guys that were working with us already, not just random people that are that are yeah. hit, hitting us up, and just being really smart, not being overly persistent. We've talked about this in the past, not being overly persistent, but being smart in when they text and how they approach the the text. Um, and I think that's that's a huge portion of this as well. Yeah, and you guys have to remember, it, it's not about you. The person who's booking doesn't give a fuck. They don't care <laughs> if you're at work or you're busy or you're at the gym or it, it it's just it's just the truth. It is what it is. Yeah. This so, is this is part of being self-employed, right? Like part of being self-employed is is being active in trying to get yourself work uh, and then doing it in a way that uh, is effective and is efficient for the, everyone. The other thing that I catch myself doing sometimes, and this goes for anybody, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if you're brand new or you're 10 years in the game, but 
someone will hit me up and they'll be like, yo, Kareem, uh, what's your availability for next month? And I'll be like, oh, I'll hit you back later. Like, that's just not the response. The response is if, hey man, I'm driving, give me one second, I'm gonna pull over and let you know what my schedule is. That's how important this is. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, when someone sits down to to fill the schedule out, that that's they're trying to finish that then at that moment. Right. They Hey, I'll hit you back later isn't going to work because that person is likely going to fill all the dates. What happens is is it what that means is that they've they've exhausted their core group of guys that they use, right? And now they're moving on to that extended list where okay, Cream does did a great job last month. Gary did a great job last month. Let's start there. That's where we're going to start. Right. If we don't get back to that person in a reasonable amount of time, they just move on to that next person on the list. We do the same thing. A thousand percent. If everybody it's only natural that you do it that way because you're trying to accomplish that task in that allotted amount of time because you need to move on to your next task for the day. Um so th- keep that in mind. Not not oh, I'll get you I'll get you the dates back and then text that person back the next day and then be kind of salty that you didn't get the date. Like it's just natural that Things are going to progress and move forward with or without you. Yeah. I'm the king of do not disturb on my phone, but if a booker hits me up, I'm going to answer that text as quickly as I see it because it, it is super, super important. You brought up private events. I want to I touch on the private event thing too because this is even more important for private events. Same thing because yeah. these people aren't booking DJs regularly. They're saying, hey, on Friday, this afternoon, I need to f- complete these things for my party that's coming up next month. And if you don't respond, they're going to hit up five, six, seven other people. And I've found just from booking the private events for Get Down, it's like, if you don't respond immediately, they're going to, you're, you're not going to get the gig. Like you're just not, unless they specifically are, want you, you know? Right. It's private events are tough because they, they come with, there's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, but you know, I, I think that, us as a company, I know we have our core group of guys that we use and then our extended group, and we're hitting up multiple guys at the same time, right? That's something to keep in mind when, no matter what kind of booking it is, a private event or a, a nightlife booking, multiple people are getting hit up at the same time. So like being quick, being prompt, and being ready is is most important. If, if you built a name for yourself, you have a little leeway. And I just mean like a little, because sometimes you plan a schedule around, hey, I want to book this person for this date if possible. And the booker will wait around. But that's a very small percentage of DJs yeah. who sit in that upper tier of bookers are going to wait for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, we, we, we've built a, a very unique business, business model for DJs where we do give everybody like, all right, we're booking today. Whereas, you know, I, I think in most, in a lot of cases, when we were coming up, it was, we hit the guys up and you, we didn't have a schedule like, hey, have your dates in by the 15th kind of a thing. Um, it wasn't like that. It was like, oh, you know, Errol, do you have, you know, do you, do you have anything this, this month? Right. I have two, I have, you know, this Tuesday and this Friday available. It wasn't like how we have built it. We've made it very accessible for DJs to get gigs, which is interesting. Yeah, get down, guys. We're not going to shit on you, but you guys got it pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> Real, really? I mean, it's 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 built with the DJ in mind, which is which is what, what we try to do. But on the other side of it, like 
you still have to kind of work to get other other work because it's it, you just never know, right? Like one bad review at a at a venue and and you lose a venue and like it, that's that becomes a lot of money for that individual person if like you're losing a two two gigs a month place, right? Like where where to next? No, I think in all actuality we've we worked to build the system that we have for a reason, right? Because you and I went through having the list of those 10 promoters and owners and bookers where we had to hit them up and like try and fill our calendars. I mean, we've, our DJs are lucky that we have so many gigs that many of them can kind of pick and choose what days and what venues they want to work at. And I think that's like a really cool thing that we've created. Right. And, you know, we'll bust their chops about not getting their dates in or whatever else. But (laughs) I will say you guys are pretty lucky. So understand that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I want to. I want to actually tie the bow just on the the response thing and 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 getting back to uh, to people that are hitting you up, and just say that even if it's an opportunity that's below you, or it's a venue that you would never want to work at, or it's a private event that doesn't fit what you're trying to do, Gary mentioned it, but it's so important to to just make sure you respond in some way. You have to do it: email, text, whatever it is. That follow-up is so important because it just shows the person that you're reliable. And no matter whether you can do it or can't do it, you're going to respond in a timely fashion. And then the next time when that person needs to book someone, even if you said no, you're still probably someone that's going to get reached out to because you were reliable enough to actually respond back. Yeah. So I I really just wanted to like put that bow on that conversation because I think it's so important. I just one last thing to add. Just like even even if a gig, uh, speaking from a nightlife perspective, might be like below you. Like maybe you go and do those first one or two, and try to create something out of that party. So you're like, oh, like I I don't like I don't the X venue. I wouldn't want to pick out to play, but it was offered to me. So let me go in there and make the most out of it, and really like try to kill that event and really make something out of that. Maybe get that one or two or three times and like maybe you can build a party out of that and then it shows the person that booked you you know what kind of team player on number one and number two that hey you helped create something that was was lacking in our group and now obviously you'll get used at at the next best place i i I think that's something that's overlooked like okay everybody might think that they're like this big fish but that's not always the case like just go in there then be that big fish in that small pond and prove it and prove it time and again for two or three times. And then that's a way to exponentially move up quickly with a, with a, a DJ group or a, or a booker. And I think that that's not looked at enough. Well, I, I always say when people ask me, right, our DJs will also be like, yo, what do you think about this offer? And my first question is, well, are you taking the gig to make money or are you trying to build a relationship? If you're trying to build a relationship, I don't really care how much the gig is because maybe this is something you just have to go do at whatever the rate is because you're trying to build a relationship. Maybe they have booking power at a lot of venues. Maybe, they, maybe they're asking to come do an open set that could potentially get you a headline set. Maybe they're asking to do a Friday and their Saturdays are huge and eventually you could work to being the Saturday guy. Like That's a huge thing, right? Is it a money thing? Is it a relationship thing? I think it's important to go in there with no chip on your shoulder. Don't think that you're better than everybody that works at that at that place. And don't think that the place is below you and just go in and do your job and do it well. Right? Because if you if you are that good, then you're gonna do you're gonna do a great job and you're gonna have a great party. It's something that I have found that 
some of these gigs that, you know, I do a lot of early gigs for us, like afternoon gigs, because I'll double and triple up on Saturdays and Sundays. And like gigs that like, I feel like the, some of the guys are like, oh, that's not a great gig. I'll go in and have an amazing time at them. And I'm, I'm going to call it out right now. The Hair of the Dog uh, 2 o'clock set last week that I played was amazing. Hair of the Dog, such, New York City, Lower East Side, fun. I had an amazing time. I played so much different music, and I, I got to interact with the crowd, and they were just having fun. We were, like I played uh, Evanescence, which I haven't played in tw- like 15 years, and like everybody was jamming out. I got tipped $50 to play that song. Like, And then Fat Taco in Hoboken, two weeks ago, uh, I played the Sunday... Um, the Sunday brunch set, and it was a blast. Nobody was dancing, but everybody was vibing and singing at the table. I got to drop out the volume a few times because everybody was singing. Like the, these are these are gigs that I feel like, and I'm calling out our guys a little bit because like I feel like some of these gigs are overlooked. You have to just go in without that chip on your shoulder and just do a good job. And as long as you do a good job, like you, you're going to have fun. Like you know, so that's that's kind of where that thought came from. You do a really good job with that, where no matter what what like level or status the venue or party has, you can you go in with an open mind and, and make the best out of it. And I think sometimes I don't do a good job with that. Uh, but I think you you lead by example to to anyone that's, you know, seeing how you move and what you play and where you play that you can make a career out of playing- Everything. Anything or anything <laughs> or, or go down any path. And I, I don't know. I think- uh, they could take a DJs can take a page out of your book and the fact that you're going into venues, no matter what venue it is, and making it fun and making the venue money and essentially like just doing a better job than many people because I, I, you have that outlook. Yeah, it just it that that's my thought is like if if uh, if all the best DJs go and want to go play those gigs, the money will come up and the gig will be more attractive to people because the bar is going to be making more money at the end of the day. And more people are going to be coming in the door because the party's more fun. So I, it's it's a different way to look at the DJ business. It's That's my way to look at it. You look at it differently. Because do, you, do you want the DJ cream perspective or do you want the owner of Get Down DJ perspective? I, I want the DJ cream perspective. Because the, it's the exact opposite. The owner of Get Down DJ says, listen to exactly what Gary right, said. Right, right, <laughs> And go make the best of every gig that we give you. The DJ cream version of that will say, I've paid my dues. I've built my name. I know I could go rock any party. You guys, venue or whoever, can build your party. And when you're ready to pay me my rate and have me come in and play a headliner set, I'll be happy to come do that on a Saturday afternoon or whatever. Uh, But I'm not stepping foot in a venue that doesn't really help me or help my brand other than putting money in my pocket. I always, you know, I always appreciate that fact. But I think when when you reach DJ versus artist, when you start reaching a higher level, uh, and, and you want to become more of that artist and less of the local DJ, you have to take that viewpoint because then everyone else is going to see where you're booking and they're going to be like, oh, well, Cream's still playing this place, so I can ask him to play this. Or I can ask him to play for less money because I know that that venue's not paying top dollar type thing. Right. So I think it really depends what you want to do. And I think it really depends... Do you need the money? If you need the money, go make the best of it. And, and if you do a great job, you can make more money there kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, it is very unique because we do look at it and we kind of approach, but we approach our careers differently, right? Definitely. I, I'm, I'm trying to book only the highest, you know, travel and bigger clubs and high profile sp- sp- spots locally, if I could spit it out. <laughs> 
Whereas you come up here and you're only here one or two weeks a month and you're trying to maximize how much money you make because, right. you know, this is your job and you're only here for two weeks instead right. of four. Right. So there, there's a different, there's a different goal. For sure. For sure. It's definitely a different perspective, but I've learned that I'll never be a big artist, obviously, and I'm not looking to be a big DJ and I want to just have the most fun that I can at the gigs that I play. So what kind of perspective do I need to take in order to do that? And what I said before is exactly the perspective that that needs to be taken. And I think that more DJs can take that perspective and not everybody's going to be, you know, Tiesto and not everybody's going to be you know, name whoever the, the headline DJ is, you know? I think you are, you are the exception because I think most DJs, especially young DJ, DJs, get a taste of playing some high-profile rooms or high-profile gigs and think like, I'm a high-profile DJ now. So like right. that spot is below me. Not right. everybody, but I think, I mean, I've gone through that for sure. Yeah, I mean, the my first taste of like bigger spots was like, I, I was playing at spots that AM was playing at when I was much, much younger, like 20 years old. I was still not even of age to, to get in these places. And you quickly realize like, well, your Friday night is not DJ AM's Saturday night. You know what I mean? Or, you know, your regular Friday night isn't the ticketed event that's on Tuesday. Right. Like it doesn't matter Sometimes you have to check yourself, you know, and you have to understand what the what the situation is. I'll say this. If you do take a gig that you maybe think is below you, go and show why it's below you. Right. Like, go I mean. and do the best possible job. Be engaged. Don't be on your phone. Don't be like leaning against the wall, playing songs out. Don't be playing slam mixes, Kareem. <laughs> um, I know it's it's easy to say that, but it really is important because on those slower days, the staff sees, right? The venues see. They know what DJs are bringing in more money. They know what DJs are really checked in. Right. That stuff matters in the eyes of, of bookers and managers and owners of, of venues. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a, good, a good bow on no, what, no one wants to work topic for this, uh, for this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. So- Part of the problem for me with some of the venues that are in our market, right? It, it's, I, I feel like a lot of venues don't, they want to be like high end. They want to have people come in and they, they just don't want to spend the money or do some of the little things that can really kind of step, step you up in the eyes of both entertainers and customers. And I think these little things many times kind of go unnoticed or, or the venues really think that, they don't matter, but I think they matter so, so much. Do, do you think that some of the ownership at a lot of these venues are just uneducated in what is out there in order to attract a customer? Yes. And then whose job would that be to bring that to their attention? And then also not only bring, okay, this is what's available, but this is how much it's going to cost. Because a lot of the things that we look at that we think are going to improve a place are usually not as expensive as, as you might think they are. Like the like big confetti cannons that like, like, like let's say Birch has, right? Like I thought that was a lot more money than it. Than I looked it up and I'm like, well, that's cheap. I don't understand why every place doesn't have this. Don't tell Gary Yip it's cheap when he's telling me the thousands of dollars that they spend on confetti every month. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah. Shout I, to Jay Diamond, you know, they do, Bert I mean, Gagne just popping confetti all day. <laughs> 
But it, but every time they do it, the crowd is into it. As stupid as that might sound, the, it, it garners a reaction of some sort. Um, so, yeah, maybe from ownership perspective, it doesn't look it's a, it, it, it's, it looks expensive, but really if you're there in venue and you see it and you see how effective it is to, to the energy of the party, well, you, you know that that's money well spent. Yeah, I think this goes more so for like those hybrid venues, you're like the bars that do nightlife and they have like pretty good sound system and they have some TVs where you can utilize the screens. I, I, I think for like the high end and the low end, this doesn't matter as much. It's like but the, that, that mid-hybrid tier is a big chunk of what happens in our market in New York City and, and New Jersey. I think that's a big part of that's a big part of just DJ DJing period is those is those hybrid spots, right? I mean, like if you think about percentage wise, how many of our spots are hybrid spots as opposed to being nightclubs? Most. Right? Most like 80%. Yeah. Right. So it, that that is not just our market. That's that's the general consensus across the country. I feel like there's there's a, a number of things that go into this. I, I would say number one is having one person, whether it's a GM or a promoter, someone who is sort of like the face of that place, that's always there, that's like knows all the customers. I think that's really important and it goes unnoticed. Having a face of your venue, maybe it's a DJ, you know? Right. Maybe it's a promoter, maybe it's an owner, maybe it's a manager, whatever the case may be, have somebody that if- a group of people want to go out and be like, oh, I'll just hit up X, Y, Z. They'll take care of me. That's really important. Everybody wants, customers want to know, feel like they know a guy. I got a guy. If you got a guy, <laughs> this is Jersey. Everybody's got a guy. <laughs> when you got a guy at a place, people are going to be more likely to want to go there. Also, in turn with that, you know, like maybe you get a free round of green tea shots once in a while, or you, you get the bartenders on the bar that are pouring free, cheap, mixture shots, right? right? Like this is creating that customer experience and you want to make people feel loved and feel like you know, they're, they're getting something, right? I think yeah. that's a really little thing. Obviously, sound is an expensive thing. Hugely important though. But it's probably the single most important thing because customers, whether they know it or not, they feel the bass. They hear the sound. They know when they walk out of there if their ears hurt in a negative light. Yeah, That's the most important thing. It's also going to be the most expensive thing. So sure. make the best out of your sound, right? I think having lighting of some sort is the next thing. It doesn't have to be 10, you know, super expensive intimidator lights. It can just be a bunch of lights that create a vibe in the room. They have those like little moving heads that just are dirt cheap that you can just put a bunch of them up. It's not going to cost you a lot of money. You can link them and you're done. Right. Like it doesn't have to be crazy because at the end of the day, you're usually you're a bar or a night uh, you're a bar or a restaurant during the day, and then at night, what I think is overlooked is that yes, you need to create this experience at night because seventy five percent of your income is coming from ten to two o'clock, right? Right, and I think that's where that's where that starts to get overlooked. So in that in that regard, right? If your if if your venue is making a transition of some sort, maybe it's a sports bar that goes nightlife. At some point, those TVs have to turn off. The nightlife lights have to turn on. You have to lower the, the, the lighting in the room, make it dark, make it feel safe for people to get out on the dance floor. And that, 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 the light is, is free. It's free to turn your lights down. And I think sometimes venues disregard that or don't understand that or see that it's important to turn the NBA game or the ESPN highlights off and maybe you put the venue logo 
or you put the DJ logo or you do something. Maybe you put party pictures up. Maybe you put a party video up, something to let people know, hey, this sports bar thing is done. It's nightlife time now, right? We're taking the games out of the venue. We're taking the tables out of the venue. And when you talk about all these things, individually, they might not seem like a lot, but when you do all of them, it creates a completely different experience. Yeah, how many places have I walked out of recently that I'm like, it was too bright in there? It's always too bright everywhere. It's uh, I hate, I I the spotlight that we have in multiple venues that go on the DJ, I make them shut it off. I do not want it on. I don't need a spotlight on me. People can hear me all just fine. They don't need to see me. Um, so that's number one. Number two, doing things like moving those seats away from away from the bar and like you said, shutting the game off, you'll, you can now get two and three deep at the bar. If you're that point person in your, in your venue that you're going to go to the, uh, the venue management or ownership to pitch this stuff, these are, this is good information to have. Like, listen, pull those seats out, shut the game off. And now you can get more people to that bar because that guy that's sitting there that's watching the game, he can only spend X amount of dollars per hour. Whereas if you can get two and three deep at the bar, yeah. like the, your ring is, is going up. That guy at the bar times. is ordering wings and he's ordering a Bud Light every 30 minutes right. for, or an hour. Right. And that bill is what? 50 bucks. <laughs> even, even if he sits there for hours and it's $150, well, you could turn $150 in that seat in 20 minutes. You know, so you come armed with this information if you're going to go to ownership. Because um, it's, it's definitely, this, this, definitely very doing important. Doing this exact thing with venue owners and managers is the reason why Gary and I have a business booking DJs. Because when you have these conversations, number one, you're showing more value than just being a DJ. You're showing that you understand the business and you're also trying to help the business get better and grow. Maybe they disagree with you, but at least you're bringing ideas to the table where this, this owner or manager is saying, wow, Kareem and Gary are thinking beyond themselves here. They're thinking about how to make this the best party it can be. And, and sometimes, like you said, these venue owners don't have someone that's telling them these things. So maybe this is the first time they're hearing this. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they've been a bar owner and a restaurant owner their whole life, and they don't know how to make the transition to nightlife. Yeah, It shows incredible value, and it's a great way to ingrain yourself in a venue. Now, the reason why we're talking about this, guys, is because we're, we're seeing this more and more the more we go out and the, and the more places that we're working with and working at, uh, that these are just little tweaks that need to be made within our places. So if you're noticing the same thing, you know, try to go make those changes within your place as well. Yeah, I think a great idea, if you're a resident DJ at a venue, set a quarterly meeting with the owner and any decision makers, managers, if there's a head bartender, and go there with a list of notes of things that you're thinking about to make the, the bar or the party better. And if you do that, and, and things start getting better, that's an easy, easy way to ask for more money. Yeah, for sure. Because it, now you're like entertainment director slash resident DJ, and you're not just the DJ. It's something that, that I've done since, you know, since I started DJing uh, from my first residency. It was just really ingrating myself in, in the bar and really caring about the product that the bar puts out and understanding, you know, Oh well, I'm embarrassed when we have the game on till twelve o'clock and everybody's staring and looking at the at the TV. And now you've wasted your money because I'm standing there DJing to nobody. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's something that I've done, and then also understanding that the quarterly meeting is very is very um, important because you do have market 
changes throughout the year, yeah. whether it be, we always talk about it, whether it be football season, whether it be summer, uh, whether it be playoffs, local playoffs that we we're just come, come, come across with the Knicks and the devils and the Rangers um, and talking about like ways that you can kind of maneuver some more money out of doing those local games playoffs. Cause you know, they're, the bars are going to be packed and whatnot. So yeah, setting these quarterly meetings and having them at opportune times is not only going to be benefit you, but also benefit the bar. It could also be a way to create more DJ gigs too, because if you're having this open conversation and you're aware of, Hey, uh, the NBA, NHL, and NHL playoffs are on. Maybe it would make sense to have a DJ for the 7 PM face off or kickoff or right, whatever or it might be, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, these these conversations are are vital. And now that Gary and I have so many venues, it's harder for us to do it. These are usually phone conversations with us uh, yeah. with our owners now. Or when we go to DJ the venue, it's a conversation there. Right. But yeah, I mean, super important. Set those meetings, especially for you residents. Uh, it's a huge takeaway from this one, especially as we're entering the summer here. Things change, right? Go set those meetings. Bring some value to the table. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then also, if, if you're noticing this, and if you're noticing this, and you think the person that's booking you at the location at the venue isn't addressing them, maybe you address it with that booker as well. Um, we have our guys always telling us, you know, ways that we that certain venues can improve and certain sets can improve, and uh, hopefully that you know the uh, people that that are the higher ups are perceptive to to your suggestions. You have to make sure that you know you know who you're talking to and make sure that you're in the right place to be able to have these conversations. If you're there once a month, once in a while, I don't know if it's such a smart idea to be telling an owner or manager what they should be doing in their space. Right. Uh, know, know your role. Yeah, know, <laughs> you got to kind of know your role, definitely. But if, if we're noticing these things as DJs, customers, whether consciously or subconsciously, are definitely noticing this stuff. Yeah, that's why this conversation is happening because I, I'm, I'm noticing as I'm DJing that certain things are affecting the party negatively or positively and trying to take note of it. So for sure. All right, last topic. We we we're gonna do a little. We're gonna do a little hip hop topic. Hopefully, without shitting on hip hop, oh, Gary. And you know, I, I don't want to shit on hip hop at all um, because I have been enjoying some of the stuff that is coming out, but I do find that I'm playing. This has been recurring for over a year. Too yeah. much like girl hip hop, which I don't want to keep playing the same five artists over and over again. I think this conversation was going to be a Gary W. rant last week. And it this, was. This I've week it's going to be a little more calm. <laughs> I've calmed down but a lot. G Gary was coming off a set where he was just like, when I get to hip hop, I don't really know what to play because there's not enough new music that is translatable to your, you know, top 40 open format club. Yeah, I feel like that, sure, in some locations, some of the like slower tempo stuff works. It's not my style. And I know there's a bunch of people probably yelling right now, well, then that's not your style, so don't complain about it. Um, but what I'm, I'm finding, I just, I want, I want a little more continuity in my hip hop that it doesn't all like, it doesn't all sit in this 65, 70 BPM range. And when it does, and and it's playable, it's club playable, that it's not just the same women that are singing it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I, I just feel like down in that in that BPM range, like the stuff that is club playable in my 
opinion is a lot of the same artists. Well, we're going to run through sort of one of your playlists and maybe go through some of the hip hop. But I think first you DJed with EMP at Birch and I think he hit a bunch of hip hop that you would have not normally hit, but it really worked. So I think, did. I think for you and I who aren't playing necessarily strictly hip hop sets occasionally once a month, maybe. Right. I think it it is important to see what some other people who are playing more hip hop are doing. It's just to take you out of what you your 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 kind of instincts and your regular sets. It's interesting because I can get I, I looked down at the crowd. It was significantly younger. Uh, it was probably twenty one, twenty two um, on the dance floor in front of me. What was behind me in the VIP was probably a little older, but I was really concerned with the dance floor that at that time. And uh, I'm looking through my tracks, like the, my like go to my go-to tracks and a lot of my other venues. And I'm like, God, I can't be the old played out DJ. Like I got to play like some newer stuff. And I feel like I kind of got in my head about it a little bit. And then EMP came on and he played all the shit that I would have and should have played. Um, <laughs> but he was a great opener and a great closer because he filled a lot of the gaps. So big shout out to EMP for kind of like picking it up and making me oh, making me also realize like what I can and, and, and should be doing and don't overthink so much. You know? Yeah, especially at the end of the night, that closer role is to fill the gaps, right? A thousand percent. We talked about that not too long ago. Yeah. But like, yeah, like I went to like, you know, obviously Just Wanna Rock, Gangsta Boo, WAP, the uh, Jersey Club edit. Jimmy Cooks, Dior, Dreams and Nightmares, Dance. And this is where I got thrown off. Like coming out of Dance, I was like, oh, I don't really know where, know where to go. And I went to play What Up Gangsta and like just play like that first like little part and yep. What Up Gangsta drop it out. Um, so I did that. And then we had a birthday parade. And then that kind of threw things off even more. Um, and then like went up into Reload. And then I was trying to come back down. Let me see where we came back down. It came back down yeah, to back like to 100 BPM. One dance and then like, you know, Party Animal. And then I played like some throwback dance hall. I've been playing Moment for Life, Nicki Minaj featuring Drake a lot recently. It's just been that era of hip hop has been crushing. It has been. That's why it's been garnering a lot of reaction for me. So I, I went back there and then like I played like these couple tracks that I was like, these like couple Beyonce tracks that I felt like fell short and then went. And went over to Bad Bunny and Daddy Yankee and, and, and Talkie Talkie and stuff like that. I felt like maybe it was just like the same old set for me. And that's why I felt like it wasn't so effective. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I could have been a little more creative. But at the same time, I really was was focusing on prepping some hip hop stuff and just couldn't really find the right records that I felt like were gonna work in that room. Yeah. And um and, and that's where my gripe came in. And when I was around this time, I'm about an hour into my set, and like you know, obviously Gasolina goes off, and uh, the Coil Ray track went off Players, really yeah. well. You know, like that stuff all goes off, but it's like everybody's hearing that everywhere. So like, where am I setting myself apart to be unique? And that's where I think my gripe comes in. Um, well, I think that's the challenge with hip hop right now because there isn't as much playable, you know, top forty nightlife stuff that's coming out we have to go back to some of those eras that are hitting, right? Like all that Nicki Minaj and Lil Wayne and Drake stuff from like the mid 2010s yeah. has been hitting. But how many times can you go and, and drop into that mini set? You know, like it's really, really important, more important than ever <clears throat> for, for you and I, especially to really go and create those, those, differences in our sets and and right. prep our hip hop. I have to prep my hip hop because if not, 
my instincts just go into like the same sort of runs and I'm like, I don't want to do this. Right. And, I and th- that's when it gets boring or you feel like you're not doing a good job because you're playing a similar set that you probably have played in that venue before. Right, right. And I, that that's when I walked away um, from my set, that's where I felt a little deflated about it. But then I went back and reviewed the set and I'm like, well, it worked. It's, it's high energy and it, it, it worked for a headliner set. As we've talked about before though, like I like to flow my night and I don't, you know, doing a two hour set for me isn't always my brain's not always built for that. I'm, I'm built more for like a long game. Um, but like, yeah, I was just kind of like bored with what I played, I think. I think that that was mostly what the issue was. But like I said, EMP came on and he, he filled the gaps really well and he played some stuff that I should have played and would have played if I had just played a longer time. Right. right. Yeah, you always like that little warm-up period to kind of get get flowing, see what's in the room, and, and then once you like get to headline time, you can... Yeah, because you get to test out that's the that's the thing about playing the long game guys right like if you have long sets like in that first hour you know that 11 to 12 like you can hit a bunch of different genres or a bunch of different styles and see like who likes what in the room right and like okay i saw that group like this and that group like that well now i could bring this all together during my headline hour that's what i like to do because it's it just gives me a better feel for the night because then I can know later on, I'm like, well, this group reacted to this weird song that I played in the opening. Well, I'm going to hit him with something like that later on. Yeah. Um, so One of the rooms that that I play has gone more of a hip-hop route. And, you know, the early part of the night, the late part of the night is easier because you can kind of go and play R&B or play reggae or play some older stuff that kind of fits. And then in the middle, I just find myself like, well, I have to hit these records. And like, how do I hit these records just in a different way than I did the last time I was here? And because I don't play hip hop majority sets very often, it's more of a challenge. Whereas if I'm playing more EDM, yeah, like I'm good is a huge record and you kind of got to figure out a way to play that every set. But there's like 20 edits, remixes, bootlegs that you can change for at least me to change my ear, right. change the the staff members' ears of, yeah. yeah, it's the same vocal, but it's Tech House this time, or it's Big Room this time, or maybe it's Trap the next time, or right. Jersey Club. Um, and I think in those hip-hop sets, the Jersey Club thing has been the way for me to really change it up, you know? Because maybe I'm playing a bunch of Chris Brown records, but this time I'm going to play the Jersey Club version. Right. And and that, or maybe I'm gonna play the Moombaton version, even though I don't play a whole lot of that anymore. Yeah, uh, just figuring out ways to to play a little differently is has been kind of the strategy I've taken. Yeah, I mean it's that's probably that's very sound advice because with the amount of record pools are, that are out and the amount of editors that are out now, like it's not like it was ten years ago where there there was a handful of your go to editors and only a uh, like a few record pools like you kind of have endless access at this point and endless access to a lot of different styles and, and people are doing mashups of and edits of all different types of, uh, uh, of things with pop vocals that, you know, you can mess with in your sets. And I think I get stuck with playing the same edits a lot of the time. And, um, it's just uh, something I'm going to take away from this conversation is, you know, change it up a little bit. Once in a while also, instead of spending whatever time you would spend downloading and organizing new music, spend that time going through old music. Because there's only so long that you could sit in front of the computer and go through music in like a session, right? Your yeah. ears die out. You got to do something different. So I've found that I'm, 
on those nights where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do this hip hop set. I need to spend a couple hours just like putting together something new and changing up my open folder or changing up my peak hour, whatever that might be. Right. And dedicating that time to, uh, to that has been really important. Something else. Uh, if you're finding that you're not finding enough of this, a certain style of music, maybe you need to go change where you're downloading from. Yeah. Right. Like DJ city does a pretty good job. I think with their hip hop and Latin stuff, the down tempo stuff, Heavy Hits does a really good job. Uh, Franchise Record Pool does a pretty good job as far as the last time I've been on there. It's been a while. And then I think you can go find some of these editors like a Nick Bike who does like amazing blends. And if you go sign up for his Patreon, Conflict's another one who puts out some hip hop edits. Go sign up for these, these Patreons. Only a handful of of other DJs are doing that, you're going to get stuff that's really exclusive and unique and different. Yeah, I think the the Patreon route is a really great way to to be a little different. That I'm trying to think of some other artists because I know there's a bunch of of good like hip hop guys that are putting out stuff. I haven't saved in a folder on my computer, but we're recording with my computer. So, yeah. so if, if what we'll do is we'll check out a couple of of different editors' uh, Patreons and link them in the description so you guys can go check them out. It's just a good way to stay fresh and stay different from the next guy. Um, and then like, as we talked about, I think it was two weeks ago or a week ago, SoundCloud is always a, yeah, is SoundCloud's a, is a great, great place to, to right. dig if deep there's into. A tr- if there's a track that you don't have a version that you like, go look in SoundCloud and go listen to the 20 or 30 weird <laughs> remixes and edits and some are going to be terrible, but you might find some gems. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, let's um, let's just do a little promo. Yeah. For we have the get down meetup. It's uh, next Wednesday. I can't believe it's next can't Wednesday. It's here already. May seventeenth, Corgi Distillery, Jersey City, from seven to eleven p.m. Free RSVP link. Check it out. It's in our bio on our website. Uh, DJ getdowndjgroup.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are over two hundred tickets, so we have a cap. We only have a couple. We only have a handful of tickets left. Very so if you left. haven't gotten your tickets. Make sure you go and RSVP because once we hit that cap, don't hit me up. I can't get you in. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And uh, what else? Anything else? Get Down Radio Solano just came out. Also, links will be in our bio. Uh, Big, like, big room festival EDM trap. I listened to it on the ride uh, up to Boston this past weekend. That's Solano style. Gotta love it. So, yeah. All right. Actually, one other thing. Sorry. Uh, Digital Music Pool Edit Contest, Mashup Contest. If you go to DMP's website, digitalmusicpool.com, it's free to enter, one entry per person. They're giving away a bunch of cool prizes, uh, and they're going to shout you out. Smash the Club's going to shout you out. Get Down's going to shout you out. So cash prizes and other prizes, go check that out. All right, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Get Down. Peace out. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Get Down Podcast. If you enjoy our show and find the topics entertaining or helpful in any way, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen to it. We want to help more DJs, and subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show is the best way for us to do that. We appreciate all the love so far. Thanks for listening, guys.